guys are awesome. You know it. You're well acquainted with your awesomeness. It's good. Is this Francisco in the house? Francisco's here, guys. I have never actually even met Francisco because I had to leave yesterday before you guys got there. But it's so good to have Francisco with the Ortegas rejoined finally in the, in the States. I'm so looking forward to building a great friendship with you, bro. We are going to continue our series called The Gift of the Christ. We've been doing this. This is the third one. And it's going to end this Friday when we have our Friday night service right here at 7. And Tom is going to be preaching about the birth of Jesus. And, and so what we've been doing for the month of December, the way I described it is, we are going to wrap the present that we are going to unwrap on Christmas, on Christmas morning. And it would be very easy to get this gift of baby Jesus on Christmas morning and look at it and be like, oh great, it's a baby. That doesn't mean anything to me. And I feel like that's what we do as a culture. We, we get baby Jesus and it's meaningless because we don't know what, what is baby Jesus? Like, and why is this so important? And so what, we're, what we started with is we started in Revelation and we looked, and we're moving backwards. So we looked at the majesty of Jesus in his fully resurrected, glorious form that made, that made John like fall down dead, as dead. Um, and then we looked at his loving correction, the fact that he wrote letters to churches. He came back from heaven to say, hey guys, here's some, <clears throat> here's some thoughts. You're doing some stuff good, you're not doing some stuff good. And so majesty and loving correction is part of who Jesus is that we could kind of miss when we're just seeing the baby. Then last week we looked at his servant leadership and we looked at his sacrifice. Also things that we can miss when we're just looking at the baby. And we asked, you know, how, can we embody those things? Can we start to be like Jesus in our servant leadership and our sacrifice? And so then today, today's lesson is called the prophecy. Oh gosh. And, sorry. Sorry, clicker. Uh, the prophecy. And you might be thinking, oh, there's lots of prophecies about Jesus, about the birth of Jesus. This is a very interesting prophecy we're going to look at today. This is a prophecy about Jesus after he was already born. And so, why don't we go to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to see, read this prophecy. And we're going to see how this prophecy is actually still being fulfilled today. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. It reads, Now there was a man in Jerusalem, so this is when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So this guy saw the baby and got the whole image. He got the whole idea. 
He got, from, from looking at this baby, he was like, I know everything. This is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Uh, that's not the prophecy. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is this thing that Simeon said. So this old man, the spirit, wakes him up and says, go to the temple. Something's happening today. So he goes, he sees baby Jesus, and he's like, literally, he says, man, now I can die. He says, uh, oh, I skipped way ahead. He says, you can now release your servant, God, which is um, like unbelievable that he would look at a baby and say that. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And so, uh, imagine seeing something so awesome that you can say, now I can finally die and I'm, I'm good with my life because I got to see this thing. Well, that was Simeon seeing the baby Jesus. And there's the prophecy. This child is destined to cause falling and rise, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And so what we're going to look at today is examples from Jesus' ministry where this happened. And there's a little artistic license we're going to take in interpretation. But, and then I'm going to ask, is this still happening today amongst us? Are we, and where, which one are we? And so I want to look at uh, this idea of falling and rising. The, the, what we have is the Greek words in, in Luke, and it basically means like the falling is like r- the ruin, like the, kind of like destruction, but ruin is a good example of a synonym, and, and then rising is also the same kind of word that's used for resurrection. So the ruin and the resurrection of people, which is pretty awesome. And so the prophecy, this little baby, Simeon sees this little baby and says, man, some people, when they encounter this, ki- this guy, when they encounter him, some people are going to be lifted up. But then some people are going to be brought low. Some will be ruined and some will be resurrected. Some will fall and some will rise. And I want to look at an example. These two examples where we see someone go one way and someone go the other way. Now, if you look in Luke, they're almost back to back. Like these two stories come very close to one another in the book of Luke. I put up there Mark 10. I like the Mark 10 version. There's a little, uh, some more details that I like. But we're not going to read all of these, but I would encourage you, look at the rich young ruler and then look at Zacchaeus. We're going to contrast these two. So the rich young ruler comes up and he's like, like, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, you know the commandments. He's like, I do that stuff. He's like, well, all you have to do now then is just give, sell everything and give to the poor and then come follow me. And it says the guy got sad. He said, it says his face fell. 
which literally uh, in, in the Greek is a, is a literal a downward movement. And he was sad and he said he walked away from Jesus. Zacchaeus, he was also a rich guy who was interested in Jesus and he comes to Jesus and he can't see Jesus because of the crowd, so he climbs a tree. And Jesus comes and looks up to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today. And Zacchaeus makes this amazing declaration of like, I just want everybody to know I'm, I, I'm giving to the poor and I'm, if I've defrauded anyone, I'm giving it back. And, Zac- and Jesus goes to his house. And so what we have is these two people. Hopefully this works. We have these two people. The rich young ruler, sorry for the cheesy clip art. We have the, the rich young ruler and we have Zacchaeus. Now, what's important to realize is that how similar they are. Both of these men have lots of money. They're well off. Both of them come into an encounter with Jesus where they're invited. The rich young ruler, Jesus literally says, follow me. They're both like pretty much the same on the outside up until they have to wrestle with what's on the inside. And so, whereas the rich young ruler, he wanted this additive type of, you know, religion. Like, what, what else must I do? Jesus says, well, what does the commandment say? He says, I, I do that, what else? And it was like, he's like, it's like he's collecting the Pokemon of theology. Like, what else do I need to add to my spiritual tool belt so that I can gain eternal life? And Jesus is like, I see the game you're playing. I'll go along with it, but it's not going to go well. Whereas Zacchaeus wanted this transformative experience. He knew, like, things have to be radically different if I'm going to follow Jesus. And we can fall into that too. Especially as religious people. We can think, oh, is there something else I could add on top of what I'm already doing to be a better person. So like there's the good version of me and then there's the better version of me and maybe one day I'll attain to the best version of me when Jesus is like, well, you got to die to yourself. And then I love this. When you read the, the, the story of the rich young ruler, he, he has this negative emotion that leads to a prideful decision. It says he's sad, and then he tells Jesus, no, he walks away. Whereas in the story of Zacchaeus, the emotion, the joy that Zacchaeus feels comes after he made his humble decision to follow Jesus and redistribute his money or whatever. But I see this happening in our lives all the time. Like, we are emotional beings, and that's okay. We're supposed to be emotional. And you will have negative and, and positive emotions throughout your life. But I would just caution you. Be very careful when you let the emotion determine your decision rather than make a wise decision and let your emotions follow the wisdom of making good choices. And that goes counter to what our society is telling us. The whole like, follow your heart, listen to your heart, do whatever you, feels good, like, if, if it's in you, then, it's, then bring it out and then deal with the consequences. That's bad advice. Don't do that. And so I loved that Zacchaeus, he made a decision and then he experienced the joy of humility, which is awesome. All right. 
Then it says, the rich young ruler, his face fell. And it literally, in the Greek, it's this like downward, like, ugh. Like if I were to say, you know, like his face fell is a great example, but it's like he slumped over. If I started using all that language, like he, he shrunk away, that sort of thing. His face fell and he turned away from Jesus. Whereas Zacchaeus climbs the, the tree, Jesus stops and looks up at him. And yeah, this is just like poetic imagery. This isn't like, there's not a literal application here. I'm just saying it's, it's funny to me. That there's this parallel to the prophecy where Simeon says some people are going to fall and some people are going to rise because of Jesus. And then a few chapters later we see someone whose face fell and someone who went up and Jesus spoke up to them. And so this is an example of falling and an example of rising that we see in the gospel. But my question is, do we see this happening now and do we see this happening in our own life? And so if I were to say, like, am I more like the rich young ruler or am I more like Zacchaeus? It's an important question we have to wrestle with. So when you encounter Jesus, will you fall or will you rise? And the tricky thing is, in our society, this idea of rising almost carries this, like, pride with it. Like, pride rises. Like, I get puffed up and I walk a little taller and I feel good about myself and and yet, we see in, I think it's First Peter, where he says, uh, humble yourself before, before God's mighty hand so that he may lift you up in due time. And so do you see that some of our, our rising and falling comes from our ability to be humble or our desire to be prideful? And we want to think, well, if I'm humble, that's like lowly and ugh. But God's like, no, 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 if you're humble, then I will lift you up. Way more than you could ever lift yourself up. You're not that awesome. But if you're prideful, you will be brought low. Yes, 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So will you approach God humbly? like Zacchaeus, or will you approach God with all the answers like the rich young ruler? Because that will determine, do you rise or do you fall? And so, I want to talk about the, this, the last part of this prophecy. Because he talks about how the hearts of many will be revealed. And man, Jesus is good at revealing hearts, guys. A little too good. For our comfort. And so I did an interesting search. These are all pictures I found across the internet. And these are all people that have uh, pretty serious diseases or disorders or ailments. And I scoured the internet and found like testimonials on hospital websites or different, you know, nonprofits where they, where they told a, a testimonial story. And, uh, and I read the story, and I was like, oh, this is a good example of what I want to talk about. So I grabbed the picture and put it in the slideshow. The thing that I googled, though, like, what is it that I was looking for? I was looking for testimonials that specifically said, I felt fine until I learned what was actually happening in me. And all of these people, 
in their testimonial, said, I didn't know anything was wrong. I felt completely fine. Everything was going great until I went for a routine checkup. Or someone said, hey, you've got a spot. Or, hey, you should go to your doctor. And then Katie's like nodding furiously. And so, but this is us. Until someone external to us reveals something, we can go along thinking the same thing spiritually. Like, everything's good. Nothing bad is happening. And that's, what, and that's why the rising and falling follows our hearts being revealed. Because we can go along thinking, everything's fine. I see no problems. My life is good. Until, until God in his infinite wisdom does something that brings up what's actually going on in our hearts. And then now we're faced at a choice. Now that my heart has been revealed, do I respond pridefully and fall? Or do I respond humbly and rise? And so my question is for us. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in your life. Something is going to happen where your heart is going to be revealed. And it might happen through, it might happen through just reading the Bible in the privacy of your own home. But it also might happen in a really hard conversation that someone has with you. Or it might happen in a fight with your spouse. Or it might happen in some crazy way. Like, God may just do something to, like, really make you feel some stuff. And when your heart is revealed, are you going to be like, nope, I'm going to fight back. Or will you be humble and let your heart be revealed and let, it, let the, the process happen so that God can then lift you up? I love this scripture in Hebrews 4. I I think most of us have read this several times. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Has anyone ever read that before? Good. It's a great verse. But the, what is the process of your soul and spirit <laughs> being divided, your joints and marrow being separated, your, your thoughts and attitudes of your heart being judged? Does that, is, do you think that's going to be a, a, an intrinsically like pleasurable experience? Do you think that's always going to come like in a blanket with a scented candle next to it and like a cup of tea? Or could that come through tears and hurt feelings? But when, it, but when it comes. And I would say this. If you avoid a relationship with the word of God, you can avoid some of this. You can run from this most of your life and never experience it because you never come into, into an interaction with the word of God. but I would encourage you to to go towards that interaction. Here's here's another, another verse in Psalms. David writes this, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love, 
and have lived in reliance uh, on your faith. Faithfulness. What I love about this is that David is inviting God's scrutiny. God, come in and just take a look around. Examine my heart. Examine my mind. And he has this, this security because he says, I have always been mindful of your unfailing love. And I want to say, I want to tell you a story, and then I'm going to come back to this. So, this is Freddie. Guys, I love this kid. Freddie, Freddie has a baby. Um, he's in, he's in, he's helping the kids. If you guys didn't know, Freddie helps with the kids. He loves helping the kids. Um, Freddie's helping the kids, so he can't be embarrassed by this right now. I have a story about a very particular bath time that we gave Freddie. He's a little guy. I'm giving him a bath. And, uh, like, I got him in the thing, and I'm doing this, washing his hair with soap. And a, a little drop falls off of my, like, palm right into his eye. It's not, like, soapy or anything. It's just a drop of water. And in his response to that is to take both hands up out of the soapy water and go like, <laughs> guys, Freddie is like a professional eye rubber. His whole life, he has been furiously rubbing his eyes whenever he gets sad or whenever anything happens. Like, Jen and I have literally like just looked at each other like, he just will not stop rubbing his eyes. He doesn't know how to, when he's like trying to figure out what he feels and he's rubbing his eyes. And so he just puts both hands, full soapy water right into his eyeballs, starts screaming. I'm like, ugh. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what do I do with this kid who's like yelling now and crying, and he's only making the, every second that goes by, he's making the problem worse by rubbing soap in his eyes. So I take the cup, and I just dump it full onto his head just to flush his face and everything. And at that moment, he's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> He's literally on the verge of dying right now, according to Freddie. And he's, he's like, to him, in that moment, the world is falling apart, everything is disaster, and I am the number one bad guy in the whole world. I end up like, stop, I'm trying to hold his hands down, like stop, get soapy hands out of your eyeballs, I'm taking a cup of water, just splashing him in the face. I'm like, you hate me right now, but I need to do this to rescue you from yourself. Guys, what, what Freddie was incapable of processing in the moment. I'm the worst man in the entire world right now. He starts crying for mommy. He doesn't want me. He doesn't want the bath anymore. I, I'm enemy number one. And yet, when you take a step back and you think about it rationally, I'm trying to protect him from soap in his eyes. That is, that is a loving act that a father does. Trying to solve the situation. Take a step back even more. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm giving my son who I love a bath. I'm, I'm loving his mother by, by engaging, coming home from work and giving my kid a bath so that my wife doesn't have to give him a bath. Take a step back even more. He's growing up in a very safe home. He's growing up surrounded by love. And he can't see it. He doesn't know it. He's blind to it. 
He's not grateful for it. In that moment, I'm the bad guy because I just splashed water in his face. And it made me realize, like, that is me with God all the time. And what I love about what David was saying in the Psalms is that test me and examine my heart and mind because I've always been aware of your unfailing love. And I think when we are very, very aware of God's unfailing love, the times where he, like, has to splash us in the face with water, we, we're able to see that as loving. We're able to process, like, God is good to me. He has, he has taken care of me. He has provided for me in ways I, I could never do for myself, and I'll never even really understand And so I understand that there's going to be times where my heart is going to be revealed, and in those moments, I will not say, God must not love me. It's actually in those moments where I'll say, God, I know what you're doing, and I see your love for me. And so when it happens to you, there's going to be something in your life where your heart is going to be revealed. In that moment, God is going to feel like the worst person in the whole world to you. He's going to feel like the big bad guy and enemy number one. And just like Freddy in the bathtub, we are incapable of seeing all the amazing and overlapping and interlocking ways that God's love is actively working in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can discard all of it. And so I want us to understand that our hearts are going to be revealed and God's love is right there. God loves you. So there's my question. Am I fighting the revealing of my heart? Am I Freddy in the tub? Right now, in your relationship, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with the Word of God, in your relationship with other people, do you feel God starting to do the little, like, Revealing, examining, testing. Hey, let me see what's going on in there. And are we like, no, 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 no. Don't come in here. And so, Jesus as a baby goes to the temple. And Simeon, this old man, looks at him and gets the whole picture. He, he understands the whole package. Remember the analogy I used in the first week about the kid who throws away the, the money Grandma sent because he never opened the card? He just saw the little trinket? Simeon saw the baby and he was like, I get it. I get all the riches of this present. I know it. And he made this prophecy that this guy is going to grow up and some people are going to encounter him and fall and some people are going to encounter him and rise. And then we see that happen in the story of the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Pride, come with all the answers, I just want to be a better person, fall. Humble, I need to be taught, and I want to be transformed, you rise. And we are fulfilling this prophecy to this day. Every day in this room and everyone you see around the world, when they have an encounter with Jesus... They make a choice to either fall or rise. And what I would love is for us to be a people that love, that love encountering Jesus. Even when our hearts are revealed, 
Because we know that if we humble ourselves before God's mighty hand, he will lift us up in due time. Amen? Hey, with that, Katie Tabor is going to do our communion message today. So come on up, Katie. Thank you, bro.